0: I'm Gregory Berg. This weekend is homecoming at Carthage College, and among the activities is a special memorial service Sunday morning at 1115, honoring the life and legacy of someone known affectionately as Pastor Cara. Campus pastor Kara Baylor passed away earlier this year after a long, valiant struggle with breast cancer. She was just 52 years old and is very, very much missed. Sadly, I never had the opportunity to interview Pastor Cara on the morning show, but thinking about her and her legacy at Carthage got me thinking about Siebert Chapel, a place she loved dearly, and it got me thinking about the beautiful Cassavant pipe organ that stands at the heart of Siebert Chapel. So I'm going into the archives for a morning show that aired in either 2004 or 2005. It featured uh, Dr. Michael Burkhart, who at the time was campus organist as well as director of choral activities at Carthage College. And he had organized a concert that would feature also collaboration with two of his predecessors at Carthage, Marilyn Stulkin and William Roth. Here is that conversation. This Sunday afternoon, a very special concert is going to take place in Siebert Chapel on the campus of Carthage College. It will involve the current uh, college organist, Dr. Michael Burkhardt, who's also director of the Carthage Choir, and two of his college organist predecessors, uh, Marilyn Stolkin and William Roth. And William Roth was, uh, was one of uh, Dr. Burkhardt's uh, own organ teachers. And uh, this unique collaborative uh, musical event will feature a wide range of repertoire uh, played on the beautiful organ uh, that is at the heart of Siebert Chapel. And we're going to begin by talking with, uh, with Dr. Burkhart about uh, why he came up and how he came up with the idea of, of doing this particular concert and this uh, array of organists who represent several generations of uh, of organ music at Carthage College. Dr. Michael Burkhart, we welcome you to the morning show. Thank you. So let's begin there. Uh, How did you get this idea?
1: Well, I had it in the back of my mind for a while. I wanted um, to find a way where we at Carthage could honor those people who have been great influences in our community, but also who have um, had a far-reaching influence really across the United States. And um, with Marilyn and Bill still living in the area, it was wonderful that they agreed to come back and to share their talents with us. Um, It seems to me they they gave so much when they were here at Carthage, but they've also had an impact, I think, on other people's lives throughout the United States. Um, For example, Marilyn and all the wonderful research she has done for us organists, and particularly for church organists, in um, the area of hymnody with her companion to various hymn books and all of the scholarly information that she has provided for us. And Bill, I think, with his love for the organ, I don't know anyone else with such an enthusiasm for life and for playing the organ um, who can excite an audience and just excite an individual who might never have even heard the organ before. So that's part of the impetus, I think, for
0: it. You uh, reminded me the other day that uh, that William Roth uh, not only has a, a history with Carthage as a, as a faculty member and, and as someone who was one of your teachers, but he himself, a Carthage graduate going back many years before that.
1: Right. He, he was at Carthage um, on the old campus, and then he was called away for a time. I don't know the exact details of that, but he served in the Marines, and then upon returning um, to the United States, um, finished his degrees at Northwestern University.
0: And uh, came to Carthage as a faculty member and and, and was one of your teachers, right?
1: Exactly. Um, he was uh, pretty much an institution already when I came here in the, the late 70s. And um, actually, he was the person responsible for that wonderful instrument. Actually, for two wonderful instruments we have on campus. Um, both the Casavan, um tracker that we have in the Recital Hall and for the large Casavan tracker that we have in Sieber Chapel. And I know he's very proud of those instruments, and so are we um, to be privileged to have them here at Carthage and for the uniqueness that they bring um, to the organ world and also to our community.
0: Very good. Uh, well, we look forward to uh, asking Professor Roth a bit more about uh, the pro- the process of, of- of, of designing that, that, that organ and seeing it to its successful uh, installation in, in in Siebert. You mentioned Marilyn Stolkin and uh, a lot of the research that she's done. For the sake of our listeners that don't know what we're talking about, what, what would one of these companions look like, a companion to, to a hymnal, for instance, and what kind of information does it provide for, for organists like you?
1: Um, it provides um, information in a couple areas, actually, um, some generic, general information about hymnody from different time periods and from different cultures and from and the context in which those hymns were offered up. And then her work goes into a very specific um, realm in which it deals with the text and tune of each hymn that is found in a particular hymnal. Probably her one of her biggest contributions was the hymnal companion to the Lutheran Book of Worship the um, hymnal currently in use by the Lutheran Church. And um, not only does she give us the background of the text of the tune, but she also takes us through all of the revisions and all of the little variations that have happened to the tunes and text over time. And I think it provides a great um, helpful insight for us who play those hymns every week um, so that we don't just simply play them but we understand them better both from a, a musical um, viewpoint and also a textual vantage point.
0: Very good. Uh, regarding Sunday's recitals specifically, uh, did you issue kind of an open invitation uh, to your two special guests to just play whatever they wanted or, uh, or, or was the overall program uh, designed a little more than that?
1: No, no. Um, we gave them a time limit, <laughs> of sorts, <laughs> and they were just invited to play pieces that they thought would, um, that they felt really good about, and that they wanted to share with us, and also pieces that they felt would um, show off the organ here at Carthage. So it's quite a quite a diverse program. Um, a number of pieces highlighting the baroque aspects of the instrument. But then also some um, 20th century pieces and some romantic works,
0: And at least one duet, I'm told.
1: One duet. Um, it's, it's a real honor. Um, Bill and I will play um, a duet that I wrote, actually, for another uh, husband and wife um, organ duo team. Um, it's based on the hymn tune, Praise to the Lord the Almighty. And so it's a, it's a real delight to get to play with my teacher on this.
0: Very good. Dr. Michael Burkhart, the uh, college organist at Carthage College and also director of uh, the Carthage Choir, which soon departs for a tour of Europe, and we'll look forward to hearing all about that. Uh, Dr. Michael Burkhart, best wishes to you and your two colleagues uh, for Sunday's concert.
1: Thank you so much.
0: And now it's time for us to meet uh, uh, one of the organists that joins Dr. Burkhart Sunday afternoon, one of his predecessors as college organist at Carthage, Marilyn Stalkin. And as Dr. Burkhart's already mentioned, uh, Marilyn Stulkin is, is not only an organist, but also someone who has done a great deal of research on um, some of the great hymns of the, of the Christian faith. And uh, we'll talk about that as well and uh, find out what she's going to be playing on Sunday. Marilyn Stulkin, uh, we welcome you to The Morning Show. Thank you. I'd like to ask first you, uh, for you to explain uh, maybe how and when you became uh, interested in, in, in playing the organ. How did that happen for you?
2: I think I was born interested <laughs> 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 i I really you know i I don't remember a time when I wasn't interested um, i was I was in church every Sunday from my infancy um, I remember as a child being fascinated by watching Alice Groton play the organ, which I know now was a mid twenties Reuter um and, you know, I took piano lessons at some point and kept those up. Um, when I was about sixth grade, I thought I was going to be a missionary, but that didn't last very long. So um, after that, I was just, it was like I was down a chute. I took lessons at a music store at ninth grade, organ lessons. And uh, in twelfth grade, I started at the college, and I graduated from the college and worked for a couple of years and went off to graduate school.
0: Hmm. I guess for for a young child, there's a lot to see when you watch somebody uh, yeah. play the organ. I mean, it's a it's kind of an action-packed kind of music making.
2: Yeah, it was fun. I I remember being fascinated by the way the keys dropped down, and I could see the bottom of them, which was different from piano. You know, mm-hmm. you put a piano key down, it's just gone. But I, I, for some reason, I was fascinated by that, and um, I I had had enough piano lessons and played enough hymns to notice that that she um, used her left foot only and played all the notes, the bass notes in the bottom octave. And so I had it figured out that that's how you played him. (laughs) Aha.
0: Well, you have figured out a whole lot of things over the years, and and in addition to being a very capable organist, you're also someone who's uh, taken great delight in doing uh, quite a lot of research. And uh, you've actually... uh, put together at least a couple of, of companions for hymnals. We should explain maybe first to our listeners what, what kind of a book, that, what we're talking about.
2: Um, yes, the, the companion to the Lutheran Book of Worship. Um, the, first of all, the Lutheran Book of Worship has 569 hymns, and the companion tells about all of those hymns. Um, it, it tells when they were written, if I had the information, um, and when they were first published, any interesting stories about them, and then um, biographies of all the authors and translators and composers and arrangers. And uh, so it's a fairly significant uh, body of research that one does, and it's fascinating, it's very fascinating.
0: Well, if, if, if one reads something like that, uh, sometimes there are great stories that, uh, are behind, uh, how and when and why a, a particular hymn was, was composed.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes there are some really, really fascinating stories. Other times there are some really great hymns that were simply written, you know, uh, all we know about them is that they were published in a collection that an author did. And, uh, those are great hymns too. It's, it's, uh, so each one's different, and that's part of the fun.
0: Very good. Uh, what are the pieces that you're going to be playing on Sunday afternoon's concert?
2: Well, um, I'm starting off with a suite by a French Baroque composer, Bovin. Uh The organ plays this French Baroque music quite well, and, and I like to do something uh, from that period and by that uh, school when I play the instrument. Um, I'm doing a number of short pieces, by some Italian and in English, and let's see, what else? Um, I like to do things that are, you know, have a lot of color and a lot of variety. I'm also doing um, a transcription, which is kind of the basic fear that the organist in my church when I was growing up had. Uh, This will be a coronation march by Meyerbeer, which was rewritten to be played on the organ. And... uh, Then I will finish up by a toccata by Floor Peters, uh, who was in Belgium. Um, So uh, there are a number of pieces, but um, a lot of them are quite short, and I've tried to keep things interesting as best I can.
0: It sounds like you've done exactly that, and we look forward to your performance very much on on, on Sunday afternoon. Marilyn Stolkin, we appreciate you joining us on The Morning Show. Best wishes.
2: Thanks so much.
0: And finally, we speak today with... Uh, William Roth, uh, yet another uh, college organist in the long history of Carthage College, someone who also for a time headed up the Carthage Choir, and uh, William Roth's connection with Carthage uh, goes back to uh, uh, the 1940s when he was a a student there, and then coming back uh, to that old campus in Carthage, Illinois in the 1950s as a faculty member, and then uh, Bill Roth was one of the faculty members who made the move with Carthage to this new place in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And Bill Roth uh, had uh, a whole lot to do with the design and uh, installation of uh, the wonderful uh, Casavant organ, which is uh, at the heart of Siebert Chapel and which will be played this Sunday afternoon by Professor Roth and Marilyn Stalkin and, uh, and Dr. Burkhart. Um, William Roth, first of all, we welcome you back to the morning show. It's good to have you back. Yes. And uh, we look forward to getting a bit of a history lesson from you on, uh, on where that wonderful organ came from. Uh, you were mentioning that, that actually, in, in terms of, of where all this begins, uh, we need to go back to uh, President Lenz and the late 1950s and some of the dreams which he had.
3: As Dr. Lenz uh, had a vision and uh, dreaming about our new campus plans in 1957, which uh, was my first year uh, at Carthage. And, uh, of course, we confided together uh, about some of these future plans. And uh, the plans were that the realignment of uh, the Lutheran Church allowed uh, Illinois to have two uh, campuses, uh, Augustana College and Carthage, only 90 miles apart. But Wisconsin had uh, no college from our church group so uh, we elected to look into establishing a new campus and it came out to make a long story short uh, at Kenosha and of course they uh, uh, opened up that campus in 1962 and I came up with the group of 14 faculty members and at that point we began uh, talking about someday having a chapel and uh, as Dr. Lenz put it uh, with a pipe organ, that would uh, be the finest that money could buy.
0: And your mouth must have been watering as uh, the the guy who would be uh, playing that organ for uh, for years to come. Probably yes. very gratifying for you to know that 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 was an important part to, uh, of the plans. Yeah. Uh, when when Carthage first got to Kenosha, there I assume was no chapel on the campus. Where did things happen back then?
3: Uh, we used the Wartburg Auditorium and we had a small uh, instrument, uh, a small pipe organ uh, uh, put in that chapel uh, in the, I shouldn't say it's a chapel, it was the uh, uh, northernmost building. Uh,
0: now the Stras uh, Science S- Building.
3: Yes. And, uh, uh, but the, the big break came uh, in uh, 1966. We began to assemble material on the installation of a big pipe organ. The chapel was in the works to be built. And the first big step uh, was in 1966 when uh, uh, I took the Carthage Choir on a 45-day European tour. And we gave 35 concerts, which Whew. was a hectic schedule, Yeah, Greg. <laughs> and, uh Uh, To save the singers, uh, I would play half of the concert on the organ and the other half directing the Carthage Choir. And doing 35 concerts, I became exposed to these beautiful sounds uh, of these European instruments. And I thought to myself, here is Siebert Chapel that... uh, Uh, We want to put in an instrument that's going to have these kind of sounds. So as you're going through
0: these four or five different countries across Europe, you're hearing all kinds of different organs and all kinds of different settings and getting all kinds of ideas about what what Carthage should maybe have. Very good. So uh, with uh, Dr.
3: Lentz's approval, uh, in 1969, three years later, I returned to Europe again and took along 12 brass players. So the Carthage organ and brass choir toured Europe, and we did about 25 or 30 concerts. And again, I played some of the famous tracker organs.
0: Uh, Uh, Let's explain to our listeners what we mean by a tracker organ. The
3: Carthage organ is a tracker. Uh, Actually, the word tracker means simply this. There's no electricity in the console of the instrument. The only electricity is to run the electric motor for the, uh, for the blower. For system. blowing the air. For blowing the air. So here we have a completely mechanical way. When you push down a key, there's a tracker lever. It's a wooden strip that goes to the base of the pipe and opens that valve. You have to have that valve open. Uh, most pipe organs uh, have an electro an um, electro-pneumatic magnet that is energized when you push down the key. But on the tracker organ, you have it hand, the, the actual connection from your, just like a piano, with your finger pushing down the key and the, opening that valve. And this allows a, a great amount of energy uh, uh, accuracy in the type of touch that you use on organ.
0: Right. So you played some of these uh, great tracker organs in Europe, and uh, you tell me you also got to meet some of the people who were responsible for building and designing them.
3: Oh, this was a mountaintop experience. I was able to meet with von Beckerath in Hamburg, with Karl Schuka in Berlin, uh, who, whose factory, by the way, was right on the wall. Oh, really? Oh, that was that experience. I looked out the window, and here is East Berlin (laughs) on one side of the building. And uh, and this was tremendous to see all the fortifications and things. Wow. But uh, Karl uh, uh, Schuke wined and dined us there and uh, also got down to uh, meet at the, the Steinmeier uh, uh, organ, and these are some of the most famous builders. For instance, Van Becker spoke five, five languages. You know? Wow. Uh, these people are very well versed. Uh, I told them what we're doing at Carthage and uh, began to assemble this information. Uh, also on that uh, tour, uh, the Lutheran Church gave me uh, an, uh, an improvisation uh, grant to study improvisation from different uh, Europeans, and uh, I want to bring that information back to Carthage. Wow, <laughs> very
0: good. Well, at what point do these ideas you have about Carthage's organ start to take shape? I mean, at what point does somebody say, okay, let's, uh, let's get this thing built?
3: Well, n- finally, in 1971, our dreams were, were realized. Dr. Lentz said, Bill, you have done your homework. We will now order the organ. So uh, at that point, Jack Frisch, a Carthage College trustee donated the entire track organ. So we were just uh, so grateful to Jack and his wife, Judy. By the way, uh, Judy, I taught piano down in the old campus. Ah, so
0: so they, gave, the, the, they gave the money. Lasting donation to Carthage. Holy cow. I, 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 uh, I had forgotten that that uh, sprang from an individual's <laughs> gift like that. Wow. So what happens then? Um, big how, do we, how, does, how does the organ actually get finally designed?
3: Well, the big day was in 1972 when we had a big meeting. You see the gray hair heavy <laughs> from these many <laughs> programs. Yeah, right. uh, Dr. Lenz, uh, Jack Frisch, who delivered the organ, and three of the final organ builders that were competing for the contract. One was, uh, of course, casavant uh, uh, which we have. But uh, von Beckerath from Hamburg had a very interesting bid. And uh, we, we had a third party also. Uh, but uh, what happened right in 1972, the German Deutschmark became less value, and the Canadian dollar where Cassavant was located went up. And uh, this big difference in the world money market came in just in time for to favor carthage so we were able to get the four manual instrument the full tracker uh within our uh range of of the donation and
0: uh so so the choice had something to do with with economics uh, economics of the moment
3: yes but the second big thing Greg was that here, when I was in Germany on these different tours, playing these organs, I kept hearing the name of Brunzema. And he had his own organ company in Europe. But that year, Brunzema joined Cassavant. They brought him over to Canada, to St. Hyacinth, a little village outside of uh, Montreal. And uh, he was a tonal voicer for Cassavant. And uh, when I heard that, I said, well, here's the combination of that I want. A Cassimant is French. The little town of St. Hyacinth, all they speak there is French. Hmm. And I thought, here, I had the best of the French organ with a French builder, with Gerhard Brunzema from Germany. And that combination is why we chose Cassimant. Hmm.
0: Let me ask you a couple of, of uh, questions about the, uh, the, the organ itself. Um, were you able to decide okay, I want these kind of stops with with these various manuals and so on, or, or, or does the organ come kind of already packaged up and you take what they uh, give you? No.
3: Uh, every instrument is a custom, mm-hmm. especially with the big ones. Each one has its own trademark. So you but, can
0: choose exactly what the stops and sounds would be yes. pretty much. But,
3: Greg, you've got to watch out. One builder will call a French... Uh, uh, read, stop a certain name, and another builder will have his own way of calling that. And it won't be the same name, and it won't be the exact same sound either. Hmm. So there is a, a custom individuality of a comp- competition between the builders.
0: Interesting. And I suppose finances has something to do with it too. I mean, you you probably right. couldn't afford to have... Everything and anything you had to choose wisely. Oh, no, how, how true. Uh, I remember you uh, coining the, the name Albert Schweitzer <sighs> once and talking about the, the organ at Siebert. What does that great name have to do with this?
3: Well, many years ago, uh, early in my college teaching career, I had followed Schweitzer's life. And here, the International Albert Schweitzer Fellowship was right in Racine, run by Les Paffrath and uh, i was very uh, excited about this and i talked to them, and they gave me a grant to go to the albert schweitzer house in grunsbach and play the organ that schweitzer did his recording on. this was wow. a mountaintop experience that i never expected and uh but schweitzer had predicted that he said in 50 or 60 years, there will be a return to the fine tracker organs of Europe. There will be a return, and they will come about. And I wanted to be in on that. Wow. And there were only one or two trackers when this organ at Carthage that was put in in 1976. Only uh, there are very few in the United States. Hmm. And we were among the first, and for a while, the biggest first organ of, uh, of a tracker type
0: in the country Uh, in the country wow Uh,
3: 68 ranks four manuals with a full pedal
0: wow uh as it's built i know that uh people from Casavant had to kind of come down and oversee that that process anything interesting about that you want to tell us about
3: well yes uh, brunzema in 1973 we signed the contract uh, and steve chapel under construction which was really something and right near the end of it uh, brunzema came there And he made the uh, sound recordings, which is very important. You want a live room. And Mm -hmm. we had the tile floor, and we had the hard plaster. And uh, he checked, and we came out with 3.5 seconds reverberation, which he said was ideal for the organ sound. And, of course, I just uh, had a sigh of relief again. And we brought in Robert Nairn from University of Michigan, who also uh... backed up uh, and gave us input on the registration so Brunsma and myself, and uh, uh, we had a couple of others uh, were able to formulate exactly what we wanted on this four manual instrument over Senator John Kerry, and nationally still
0: I imagine at some point uh it went the other direction that they weren't just coming down to Kenosha. were you heading up to Canada to the factory at different points to see this process through as the organ was built?
3: It was under construction, and in 1974, I flew to Montreal to make the final commitments and final specifications and choosing the way the organ was going to look uh, in in, uh, Siebert Chapel. And I uh, went to St. Hyacinth, this little French village where the organ was, and uh, consulted with the, with the tonal designer, Gerhard Brunsma, for the 68-rank Casement. Uh, we had the specs and the layout and the facade. It's really fascinating to uh, see how Pipe organ is built. Uh, a big surprise for Casement was, unknown to them, As we just finished, after three days of consultation there, uh, they said, is there anything else we can do for you? I said, oh yes, we have the organ already all ordered. Now I'm ready to order another pipe organ. <laughs> 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 so we ordered the nine-stop organ that's in our uh, recital hall, oh, okay. and we ordered that the same time. And I said we want to rush on this one because we need. Something for us while the big organ's being built. So they finished that in a record time of something like 10 months. Wow. And got
0: that shipped to Carthage. Very good. So very happy. Tell so, us about Christmas 1975. This well, was a, a red letter day.
3: Well, this was perhaps uh, the special day. Uh, again, I flew to Montreal and entered the Cassavant factory, and they escorted me to a room and held this door open. And I walked in, and uh, Greg, I can't tell you what a sight after all these 12 years of planning. Here the door opened, and I looked up, and for three stories high was the facade of this beautiful (laughs) oak facade with all the uh, beautiful pipes, and it just took my breath away. Oh,
0: I'm sure. (laughs) Now to get that thing to uh, Kenosha could not have been any small matter.
3: Well, they had the uh, organ dismantled, and that was Christmas of 75. And and in January, they dissembled that organ, put it in two big semis, and again, <laughs> imagine the excitement uh, in, uh, outside of Siebert Chapel, these two semis backing up and unloading all of that casework, 3,500 pipes Mm -hmm. in the organ, and they spread these all over the whole floor of Siebert Chapel. Just imagine uh, what a sight that was. And so for the next six weeks, the two French voicers, one down below and one up top, talking French back and forth, voicing every single one of those 3,500 pipes. It took them six weeks, so uh, that was exciting. It was not easy for me to attend to my teaching
0: duties. With all that <laughs> with going all on. With all
3: that going on for those six weeks. Oh. Uh,
0: how was the organ finally uh, dedicated? I imagine some kind of blowout recital of some kind occurred. Uh,
3: yes. Uh, later that spring, I uh, had uh, talked to Dr. Paul Munz, perhaps the greatest improviser in the United States, uh, he had also studied in, in Europe uh, with Flora Peters, by the way. Uh, but Paul Monson and I had talked uh, to the extent, and I invited him to share the two dedication recitals. I played one on Sunday, and he played one on the Friday before, and uh, we had uh, full houses. So mm. it was very, very exciting mm. for both of us.
0: And well, and to see this finally uh, come to pass after all these years of dreaming and planning, uh-huh. uh, and what a great pleasure, I'm sure, it is for you to return now to, uh, to Carthage, again, to play the organ. Of course, you've played it a lot over the years, even <laughs> since your retirement. I know one of the special treats awaiting us, Dr. Burkhart's already mentioned it, is that you, his teacher, and, uh, and he, your student, will be playing a duet together.
3: Yes, this is going to be unique. Uh, Michael wrote this uh, number, it's uh, based on a, a praise to the Lord hymn, and uh, it uses two of us sitting uh, on the same bench and playing. Uh, I figured out there are four hands and four feet. <laughs> so uh, And it goes all over the keyboard, and we're playing on five manuals. Hmm. We're playing the four... Keyboard manuals with our four hands, and then both of us are playing pedal parts, and it's a tremendous sound. <laughs> uh, you, if one person couldn't get the sounds, that two people can. Yeah, of and course. This is really this is really neat. Now, Greg, I know you are an all uh, you are a fine organist yourself, but you can imagine the sounds that you're going to hear on uh, two of us uh, playing, and uh, we were just practicing yesterday, and
0: oh. just having a ball. That well, that's going to be that's going to be worth coming right there. This uh, wonderful. Uh, celebratory concert of the uh, Organ of Siebert Chapel with Dr. Michael Burkhart and two of his predecessors, Marilyn Stolkin and, and, uh, and, and William Roth. William Roth, great to hear all these stories about the organ. <laughs> I have uh, one more addition. Yes. Uh, uh,
3: when I played in Washington National Cathedral, I did three improvisations uh, which uh, you take an idea and you develop it from your own uh, background uh, in 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 developing from a motive as you proceed uh, through that. I'm doing this with three uh, different numbers that are short and uh, I'm going to play these three improvisations ah. that, I, that I did out at Washington Cathedral.
0: They're on the Sunday program. Oh, very good. That will be fun as well. That is a big part of your story, of course, as an organist. Very good. William Roth, always a great pleasure to, uh, to uh, talk with you. I know many people are eagerly looking forward to Sunday afternoon's performance. Thanks for joining us today on The Morning Show. Thank you, Greg. William Roth passed away in 2016 at the age of 90. Marilyn Stalkin passed away in 2021 at the age of 80. Dr. Michael Burkhart is now Artist Professor of Organ at Eastern Michigan University, also Founder and Artistic Director of Hearts, Hands, and Voices Worship and Fine Arts Program for Children in Southeast Michigan. I'm Gregory Berg.